Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Rachel Bade. It's Wednesday, August 9th, and there are a ton of political headlines this morning. We are going to start in the great state of Ohio, which I call home. Ohioans yesterday soundly defeated a proposal that would have made it more difficult to alter the state's constitution. Now, this was a major win for proponents of abortion rights. Basically, there's going to be a ballot initiative coming down this fall that is going to try to enshrine abortion rights in the state of Ohio. And conservatives in the states have tried to sort of raise that threshold to amend the Constitution from just a majority to 60%. Well, that was shot down firmly last night. And what we're learning this morning from all this is that abortion rights are still a huge motivator for voters. One headline from yesterday that we wanted to flag this morning, Governor Ron DeSantis has begun his third staff shakeup. Um, Our old colleague who now works at The Messenger, Trader, Mark Caputo, broke the story that Genera Peck uh, was going to be stepping down as campaign manager. She's going to be replaced by James Othmeyer. I hope I'm saying his name right because I'm going to say his name all the time in the next few weeks. Othmeyer served as chief of staff in DeSantis's governor's office. One interesting tidbit here it looks like this new campaign manager doesn't actually have any campaign experience. So I was talking to somebody who was sort of observing this from the outside and the person sort of floated this interesting question to me. Is this a real shakeup or is Peck going to remain in charge in just a different role? Was this sort of to mollify donors who have publicly come out and said to DeSantis that he needs to make more changes or they're not going to donate to him? So Peck is still going to obviously be chief strategist uh, in the new pecking order, but she'll still be around. The same person who I was talking to made a joke to me about how, you know, months ago he never would have predicted that the campaign that's the most organized right now is actually Donald Trump's uh, and DeSantis's is the one in chaos. So big change from 2016. In the top of playbook this morning, I did some reporting about how the first GOP debate is starting to take shape. And just two weeks from now, Republicans are going to be in Milwaukee, where they're going to be going at each other on the debate stage. Semaphore scooped yesterday a memo from Fox News sort of laying out the rules about what we can expect. For instance, candidates will not be giving opening statements, but they will have 45 seconds for closing remarks. They're going to get one minute to respond to questions and 30 seconds for follow-ups. So who's in? Trump, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Chris Christie, and Doug Burgum. And who's out so far? Asia Hutchinson has met the polling threshold, according to my colleague Stephen Shepard, who is looking into some political tracking of the process. Uh, but he said last week that he's only halfway to the donor threshold, so he might not make it. Francis Suarez and Perry Johnson have both said they've hit the donor requirement, but no man is close on the polling mark, so that is going to be something we are watching. Now, of course, the big question surrounding all of this and sort of the meat of my reporting last night was about this Trump-sized wild card. Will he or won't he show up at the debate? Of course, the former president has been very much poo-pooing any suggestions that he should show up. He's the clear front runner. Why should he stoop to the level of the rest of the pack and let them take shots at him? 
But there are allies on Trump's side who have warned the former president privately that he's going to be in the center of the bullseye anyway, so he might as well show up and parry those arrows by giving his own defense. They're also arguing that if he skips, he leaves his rivals a chance to create a viral moment that might actually boost them in the polls. And they also point out that after he skipped uh, the last debate before primary voting began in 2016, he ended up losing Iowa to Ted Cruz, and some people think that is why. There's been plenty of reporting about people trying to change Trump's mind. The New York Times reported that executives at Fox News went to Bedminster to have dinner with him at his resort to try to convince him to show up. I was told yesterday that the pair of Fox executives told Trump that if he doesn't show up, Ron DeSantis could end up stealing the show. And obviously we know Trump clearly disdains DeSantis. So I think they were trying to use that as a motivator. Additionally, RNC chairwoman Ronna McDaniel and David Bossy, who is a longtime Trump ally, who's now heading the party's debate committee, they've also been pressing Trump to attend. And to be sure, Trump has not ruled this out. I mean, some people have reported otherwise, but the fact is, I mean, I talked to his inner circle last night. Sure, he's leaning against it very much, but he is not 100% committed to not attending. In fact, he told Bossy and Ronna McDaniel that he might attend. He told the Fox executives that he was still open to it. What's interesting to me is that people close to Trump are not even predicting what he's going to do and are even warning reporters against making definitive statements about his attendance either way. And we all know, of course, that Trump just loves a good show and he loves to be in the center of attention. And of course, he loves to create suspense, which is what he's doing right now. A few other nuggets from you from my calls last night. It sounds like the RNC has told Trump that he needs to tell them at least 48 hours before the debate whether or not he's going to show up. And that is simply because logistics can be hard. He can't just decide to do this at the last minute. One well-placed Republican source who has been in contact with Trump's team told me last night that there is a little bit of nail-biting over whether the former president could say something at the debate that would land him in even more legal jeopardy. And here's the quote specifically. I think privately there's a real concern that he could put himself in more legal jeopardy by going into the debate and getting goaded into saying something dumb. That's what this person told me. Now, I asked Trump's inner circle about this last night and was told that none of his attorneys have warned him that he shouldn't attend. And if they did, they won't like the response, one source close to the campaign told me. Meanwhile, as they wait an answer from Trump on the first debate, the RNC has been trying to sell Trump to attend the third debate. It sounds like nobody thinks he's going to attend the second debate on September 27th because it's going to be hosted by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation, which he loathes. And that foundation is associated with Fred Ryan, the former uh, leader of the Washington Post, who he also despises. So it seems like nobody uh, is holding their breath for that. But one last nugget for you this morning on the debates. My colleague Alex Eisenstadt is reporting that Fox Business is going to be the host of the second debate. And we are sure Lachlan Murdoch must be smiling this morning. And for the rest of your schedule today, the House and the Senate are on recess and I am heading to the Iowa State Fair. Send any political tips my way. I will be watching the candidates on the stump and am eager to get your reaction. I'm Rachel Bade. Thanks for listening.